Welcome to the Strictly Business Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Grodson, and we are coming to you from Elk Grove Village, Illinois, home to the nation's largest industrial park. The Strictly Business Podcast brings you news and information about the village's diverse business community, highlighting the people and companies that create, invest, and live in Elk Grove Village. Welcome back to another Strictly Business Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Grodson, the Business Development Director for Elk Grove Village, along with my colleague, Nick Radcliffe. Hey, Nick. Hey, Josh. How are you doing today? Good. Today, we're talking to Mary Lynn Fayumi of HR Source. Hi, Mary Lynn. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Josh. Hi, Nick. Thanks for having me. This is great. So tell us a little bit about HR Source before we get into the to the meat of our discussion. Happy to do that. So HR Source is an employers association. We've been serving Illinois companies and organizations for 123 years. We have 1,200 member organizations, and we provide HR guidance, counsel, information, support, consulting, training, resources, um, to help them be better employers, to comply with all the laws that are out there, to become employers of choice, to benchmark their practices, and to just keep up with everything that's happening in today's environment. Well, it's it's great to have you on the show at this time because now that we're a couple years in, maybe a year and a half into the pandemic, people are starting to return to work. So we wanted to have someone of your expertise on the podcast in the HR world so businesses and employees can get a little glimpse of what they need to know about returning to work and also how to plan for this if it happens again. So this is really great timing. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, the timing couldn't be much better. Uh, Although I'll admit, we thought the return to work was going to happen last summer. If you would have asked us in April or May, we were running programs thinking that, you know, things were going to get back to normal uh, much more quickly than they did. And then we buckled in for a very bumpy ride, as you well know. And so uh, we find that employers are really all over the continuum. Our most recent survey with regard to return to work showed that over 50% have returned all of their employees to work. Some organizations in that category would report that they never had a day where people weren't at work. And so the whole concept of return to work is almost foreign to them. And we have others that have put off that return to work date until third quarter or fourth quarter of this year. And some organizations have gone so far as to say, we don't plan a normal schedule in our office or headquarters environment until 2022. And some are kind of making a game time decision. We still have a number of members and organizations generally saying, we're playing it by ear. We're doing it on a location by location basis or a job by job basis. We're making no broad brush general policy decisions yet. We're keeping our eye on the situation as it evolves and doing what's right for our organization and for our own business. That's really interesting. Thanks for sharing that. So so what do you believe is the most important role 
an employer should play during the pandemic? Well, employers have an interesting list of priorities. And the pandemic has brought out what I would say is the best of employers in terms of putting employee well-being and safety way high up on their list. Um, That being said, businesses can't stay afloat if they don't produce their products, provide their services, and do what's needed to be done to stay afloat. And so finding that intersection between employee safety and well-being and being able to run their operations has been an ongoing challenge. There are so many incredible case stories here in Illinois, but around the world of organizations that, you know, obviously quickly got to work on the vaccine or produced additional paper towels, toilet paper and cleaning products or figured out how to produce ventilators instead of car batteries. You know, as we know, grocery stores and manufacturers, essential workers who never, ever again were able to shut down. If anything, they were looking for more team members to work more shifts, more overtime, because so many of their own team members were either coming down with COVID themselves, taking leaves of absence um, to care for loved ones who had the virus or who had health conditions which kept them out of the workplace. We had various people quarantining at any given time for a whole host of reasons. And so one of the important perspectives has been how do we at any given moment make the right set of decisions for our employees and our business and keep those lines of communication open and stay nimble and flexible enough to meet the demands of our business, but not put anyone's health and well-being at risk. Not an easy challenge. Not at all. That's and that's a really good point is that the the employer, to some extent, has an obligation, I mean, not legally, maybe legally, but definitely morally to protect their employees. And you're right, so many companies really rose to the occasion so quickly because it was a very, let's be honest, it was a very difficult time for a lot of people. A lot of people lost their jobs. Obviously, there was a great loss of life, and, and it was horrible for a lot of people. But a lot of companies really rose to the challenge and started making new products, uh, retooling to, to fill voids that were left. But it happened so fast. I remember here at the village, one day we were working, and the next day we we're like, everyone go home. So you really got to plan now. You've got to put a plan in place if this were to happen again. So there isn't such a, a short time uh, frame to respond so what, what types of things should businesses start thinking about now? Because this may very well happen again. Like, what should we start? You know, we shouldn't just sit back and say this is over. This is the right. best time to plan really right now. Well, I think we've learned a number of things. And that is, even in the absence of a plan, necessity is the mother of invention, right? right. I mean, most of us didn't ever even contemplate what we would do if a pandemic hit. 
You just hear tale after tale of organizations packing up their stuff on March 13th or March 16th last year, saying goodbye to everyone, thinking we'll see you in a week or two, not thinking that a year or 15 months or 18 months later, we would still be working primarily remotely. Those organizations who were most well-prepared, and I'm speaking mostly at this point to a white collar workforce in terms of technology preparation, because really what it took to mobilize and move people out of offices into home environments was the appropriate technology. And many organizations found themselves either well-prepared and organized. They already had phone systems. Everyone had laptops. They were already using Teams or Zoom. Other organizations found themselves completely behind the eight ball, you know, didn't have, and you couldn't, it was very difficult pretty quickly on to be able to get the uh, IT help you needed to get laptops. All of a sudden things were in short supply and organizations were scrambling. So even without a specific plan that is formulated um, for any given potential emergency, I think we learned that having a team that is openly communicative, acts quickly, is able to scan the environment, get the help they need, call a spade a spade, be honest about where they're at, and figure it out quickly um, is critical and would help you. I think we now believe and let's hope the pandemic that we just went through is one of the worst situations in terms of amount of notice that we'll get. Um, But now we know it can happen. And smart organizations will look back and say, what processes, what teams, what communication channels, what partners, outsourced resource partners, what served us well and helped us get back on our feet or thrive or you know, have our business be up and running and or recover quickly? Mm-hmm. And what what were we really unprepared for? And how could we avoid that in the future? So, you know, some people have a beautiful disaster recovery plan or a disaster preparation plan. A three-ring binder sits on a shelf, might be a little dusty. Um, and others just make sure that they have a team in place that they are confident can spring into action quickly and figure things out um, as effectively as possible, given whatever set of challenging circumstances might be thrown our way. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is a really good point. Um, you know, during the beginning of the pandemic, our IT department here at Elk Grove Village really went into action quickly. They're able to get us laptops. Um, connect us through the VPN so we can work from home, uh, social channels using uh, Slack is a very popular app that we're able to use and communicate. But now that the hopefully the pandemic is kind of winding down, how can companies and businesses prepare to come back to the office fully? So we're seeing a very high demand for additional flexibility. So what we're hearing from organizations and we're certainly hearing it in the talent arena is 
employees want to maintain some aspects of the flexibility that they had during the pandemic, but also come back to some of the things in the office or the workplace environment that they missed. So savvy employers are working hard or already did the work if they've brought everyone back already to try to be thoughtful in terms of what the needs of their business are and balance that with the needs of their employees or the desires of their employees. Because the minute employers say, we need everyone back 40 hours a week, sitting at your desk, just like back in the day, the requests start rolling in for exceptions to that. Because employees may have a lot of evidence that says, I produced more for you working from home than I ever did in the office. Do you want me to commute 45 minutes each way? Those, that was an hour and a half I've been giving you of productive work time. You know, so you're going to lose that if you need me in the office every day. So first and foremost, it depends on the needs of the business. So some businesses require, we've already mentioned manufacturing a couple times, you know, retail, restaurants, et cetera. There is no option in terms of remote work. Um, there are many organizations that have different positions that have the ability to have more flexibility, but having a well thought out policy that is clear, fair, and makes the business case as to why people need to be in the workplace for whatever period of time the organization determines is effective, um, needs to be laid out and spelled out much more clearly than it used to be, right? Mm -hmm. Back in the day, uh, I certainly remember, it's like if the boss said, we're all going to be in the office from eight to five, no one was going to question it, right? And again, right. unless you were really sick, you were showing up at the office. So many things have changed. Um, we still have employees who have childcare and elder care challenges. They have not been able to find um, alternate um, options for caregiving. I am very concerned about the data that we're seeing on uh, females, particularly, and their burdens at home, keeping them from returning to the workplace. And that's hard on families in terms of reduced income, but it's hard on employers. I'm sure you both have seen all the help wanted signs up, you know, at stores and restaurants, many, one of my favorite restaurants that's just down the street here from our office still hasn't opened up for lunches. And they said it's simply because they can't staff their operations. So they want, their customers are saying, we want to come back for lunch as businesses reopen and they can't find employees to fill those spots. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I do see a lot of help signs as I drive around the village and I'm thinking, are there not enough people, have people dropped out of the workforce or are they just, or are they there and they're just not connecting with the employers because as you just stated, everyone's world kind of got turned upside down and there's different demands on people now, but they do want to come back to work and our employers and employees just missing each other or is the demand, anecdotally I see signs, but is the demand really that high? You probably know more with your data. 
Yeah. So there definitely is a lot of mobility in the marketplace right now. And there's a wide variety of reasons that there seems to be a disconnect between the number of positions and the number of candidates. So I think there is still some fear on behalf of candidates or prospects um, who are gainfully employed to make a move when they're not 100% sure what the marketplace and what the future of the economy looks like. So maybe a little bit hesitant to make a move. We also have a situation where there is still a bump to unemployment. And so some employees who are, you know, closer to the minimum wage level, um, you know, maybe up through the teens, may be choosing in concert with their family or whatever their, um, you know, economic situation is, that it is advantageous uh, for them to continue, especially if they're a caregiver, to take the unemployment with the additional bump, which is only going to be valid through September, I think mm-hmm. mid-September that runs out unless there's an extension. So they're making a decision there. You know, the trends have shown for a, quite a while now that not as many high school or college kids work as, I mean, back in the day, right? The minute you were old enough to get a job, that was like you were dying to get a job because right. you wanted your own pocket money, your gas money, right? Your parents cut your allowance in half. Once you're old enough, you could go get a job. But That, unfortunately, in my mind, is a trend that has, so it's very hard for many of our member organizations are looking for seasonal help and having to look at, you know, senior citizens or retirees to fill jobs that high school and college kids used to fill. Uh, And then there's, again, the situation we discussed a little bit ago with a subset of the workforce deciding, even if they aren't getting unemployment, that uh, it makes more sense for their family's obligations for them to sit out of the workforce, at least for the time being. So we have a lot of factors at play, and they impact different industries, different positions, and different geographic areas differently. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, I, I tell Nick all the time, Nick's a little younger than me, but I tell them I've never worked from home in my professional career. So to be working from home, uh, you know, from the village for a few months was, was different. And I, I realized I really liked having somewhere to go, (laughs) but but then again, having the flexibility of maybe working from home one day a week is also very enticing. So maybe we're going to have this hybrid, as you mentioned, this kind of hybrid system for a while. But um, yeah, I've always had a job since I was 16. That was just what you did. Hey, me too. I think (laughs) I started at age 12 as a babysitter. And then at 14, I was detasseling corn. And by 16, working at a grocery store and uh, have always had some form of employment. Uh, But that's not the case necessarily. Some families economically don't have the need to have their kids work. Um, and others, again, sometimes yeah. those younger people in their family are also part of their caregiving strategy. Yeah. yeah. This conversation's kind of brought up a question. So can you recommend to the business community, I think you touched on it earlier a little bit ago, um, about dealing with two different types of uh, work shifts. So say it's a manufacturing plant, you have people in the warehouse on the floor, 
and then you have your office staff. How do you handle that situation if your office staff would like to work from home, but uh, you know obviously the warehouse staff cannot? Yeah, uh, this is a challenge and a difficult conversation, but it relies upon really effective employee relations communications. And you've heard me say this a couple times already. You've got to focus on the needs of the business and the needs of the job, right? We're watching many organizations choose to decrease their brick and mortar footprint because they don't feel like they're ever going to go back to a day where everyone's in the office. And in order to recruit and retain talent, organizations are increasingly going to be under pressure to have their pink and white So administrative and professional team members have more flexibility than they used to for remote work. And an organization is going to have to be able to articulate the business rationale to not only their manufacturing team members. I've talked to a couple of our members who have manufacturing settings, but who had had all their engineers working from home. And they realized that the engineers were not making those necessary connections with the people on the shop floor that were helping with, you know, testing the products, the quality control, the innovation. And so they made a business decision that, you know, engineering, for example, might not be a department that could work long term remotely, where perhaps accounting could be. You know, it's going to depend on the needs of the business and each individual position. But employee communications and transparency on behalf of management. The other thing that I'll mention that permeates everything in this entire conversation, and that is the need for leadership to be humble and admit what they're still working on. Right. I think the old leadership model said, act like you know it all, my way or the highway, type A, autocratic. And that hasn't sold for some years um, and had not allowed organizations to have a great workplace culture, to retain wonderful team members and have strong morale. But employees are also much more receptive to hearing. Yes, we're working on it. Yes, we hear your concerns. We might not get it right, right out of the box, but we're trying to figure out how to best accommodate the needs of our employees while also keeping our business running smoothly. And that is not an easy, you know, it's not, 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 not an easy thing to work on, but we are working on it and we need your input. We need your help and support. And In the end, you might not like every decision we make, but we're making them in the best interest of your safety, your well-being, but also trying to keep everyone here employed, right? Which admittedly has been tough for many employers. Many employers had pretty significant reductions in force. I also saw a wonderful commitment on behalf of employers to do everything they could to limit the number of terminations that occurred during the pandemic. And they did that through all sorts of creative 
things, including, you know, production of new products and services. Some organizations did furloughs, um, all sorts of things. Oftentimes ideas from their employees about how we could get through these rough waters together. You know, we only have a few minutes left, uh, Marilyn. So thank you so much for joining us. If someone wants to get more information about your organization, your services, or have they have a question on a topic we didn't cover, because you could talk about this for a lot longer than we have. There's a whole host of legal issues that people probably aren't aware of and uh, insurance issues and just, uh, boy, we could probably talk about this for another 30 minutes, but we're running out of time. So how can people get more information and connect with you? Thanks, Josh. So uh, best place to start is our website, which is hrsource.org. We also have an 800 number, 1-800-448-4584. Feel free to check out our resources. A lot of our online resources are open to uh, the general public. Of course, we'd like to see uh, more organizations join HR Source and be able to tap into our vast resources, our attorneys, compensation professionals, HR experts, trainers. Uh, we do a weekly newsletter that has up-to-date great content, and we also make that available to non-members. So feel free, again, go on our website and you can sign up for that newsletter if you're interested. And again, uh, we are doing all we can to stay up to speed with everything that's happening uh, from an employment law, workplace best practices. It's been a super dynamic environment. And I don't think uh, all of our tough times are behind us, but I'm an optimist. So I know we're going to get through them and emerge even stronger and better than before the pandemic. Well, on that optimistic note, I want to thank you for joining us on the Strictly Business Podcast. And I want to thank all our listeners, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Nick. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, everyone. If you want to learn more about Elk Grove Village's business opportunities, please visit our websites, makerswanted.org and egvbizhub.com. If you have comments or feedback about the show, please send it to us at strictlybizpodcast at gmail.com.